0: All right, welcome back to this podcast. This is a very uh exciting episode for me. I have Bill Hartman on here. And uh Bill, thank you so much for excited. coming on here. I am excited <laughs> for this, man. I, I wonder sometimes if you understand how much of uh and you know how impactful you've been on me in terms of my thought process. You are someone that I have always tremendously looked up to. Uh I'm a very uh, isolated creature in a lot of ways i 've always worked by myself i 've done my own thing i 've never gone and uh, been an apprentice under anyone i 've never that 's just never what I've, what i 've done i 've just read books and stayed yeah. in my own little cave so uh, you know from the perspective of learning from another person i 've gotten more from learning from you than from anyone else in, I in my that. life yeah it's very nice of you to say uh so i yeah i think it's I think it's fair and important to say that and state that going into it. I can remember when we did the reckoning at uh Mike grandphone's place,
1: <laughs> yes,
0: honestly, to me, that felt like getting called up to the major leagues because I was in the same lineup as you, and it was like oh please uh well you know I, that was really that was a
1: fun day. that was a fun couple tennis
0: i I enjoyed it i mean uh my pants on day one didn't enjoy it. Uh, I, I definitely packed the wrong pants. I had the same <laughs> pants in two different colors. I had fat pants and, and less fat pants and I had the less fat pants and I was fat. So that's a tough one. But, um, you know, back when, uh, I got introduced to you through assess and correct originally. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it shows my age. Uh, uh no, it shows, actually it shows my <laughs> age
1: more than anything else. Don't, don't go there, pal. Cause I think I got 20 years on you. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, but it,
0: it was kind of like that was my first exposure. And I remember thinking, like, wow, this is a very logical person that's kind of putting a lot of things together here that make a lot of sense to me. And I wanted to learn more. And mm-hmm. I saw some of, like, the recorded Midwest Performance Summits from, from way back. Oh, yeah. That's um, 2008? Yes. I, that was the first one that I watched. Yeah. Before, before oh, 2008 yeah. 2008 one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then I was like, you know, how do I get more access to this guy? So I started sending interns to you, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and yes. that was my my version of it. And I, I um, you know, from there, it was kind of like uh, I, I feel like we shared some common interests. And and then I've been lucky enough to come out for a couple of intensives and stay yeah. in place. And uh, yeah, it was the, what we met
1: in Boston. Right? We did meet in person at Boston, yes. Yeah, BSMPG, right? Yeah, which those were great. Yeah, I miss Art Horn. Where is Art? Is he still at the Celtics?
0: I am not 100% sure, but I think he is uh, definitely still in the NBA for sure. But, um, you know, I, I was kind of curious, and, and with this, this this is a project for me where I just want to have, you know, conversations with people because I feel like, uh, you know, it's hard to have good conversations with, with people day to day, you know, it just becomes more and more challenging to have that happen. And also to just get to know some people. And I'm kind of curious, like, you know, I, I believe you're, you're, you're an Indiana boy, correct? Uh-huh. Born and yeah. raised, like where, where are you actually from in Indiana? What was kind of like life like? Oh, God. Coming up? We, we're going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I was born in a small town. Well, I guess that <clears throat> what I'm interested in is, is like what created the inspiration for you to become who you have become as an adult, you know?
1: Oh, uh, like, What's that you up for that? Yeah, you know the nature nurture thing. It's like so. Uh, my mother, my mother is a brilliant human being, I, and I mean, and I'm not kidding. Brilliant. Right. She is. She is a scientist. She is a writer. She is loaded with creativity from an artistic standpoint. She is musically inclined. So she is. She is everything that you could imagine in a in a great human being. Um, my father, on the other hand, was just a stubborn, you know, guy. And so you get a little bit of the the hopefully you get a little bit of the good stuff, you know, at, at both ends. And then they raise you in the world's most competitive family. So I have three siblings. We were all competitive. We were all um, everybody tr- striving to outdo each other. And so so there's just an atmosphere of competition that, that drives it. And then. Um, you don't want to disappoint mom, you know. Mm. And so you just you just get you're, you're always pushing the, the the limit and and maintaining a level of effort. And so it's just a, it's just an evolution, you know.
0: Right.
1: What, but, what was but that's where it? the start was? That's where the start was, right? And and you know, it's like um, you just grew up in the right place at the right time in the right atmosphere. I think more than anything else. But but you know, gifts from my mother are probably what I demonstrate the most, I think.
0: That 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 uh yeah. I can I can see that, you know. Uh what sort not, of ultimately I, funneled you in the direction of in some ways, I it's hard to necessarily describe exactly what you do, but uh you know, physical therapy, sports science, sports performance related stuff. Yeah, you know, but I, I do understand like you work with with general population and older people as well i mean you are human yeah. beings yeah i uh, done a
1: lot of different things which is helpful um just from the perspective of of having multiple world views that i can you know put together and, and I, I can pull resources from from many different directions that, you know um i never got pigeonholed into any one aspect of what what we do which is really helpful um, and I had like early on, I, I probably had two really good mentors early on that, that guided me and, and, you know, put, put me in the, in the right path. Um, and then just kind of took it from there. I've always worked alone to mm-hmm. a great extent. Um, so I spent a lot of time <laughs> thinking and doing, and then screwing up. And I think that was really helpful too. a little bit of a late bloomer in my fifties, you know, and, um, Probably didn't feel really comfortable with anything until, I don't know, 15 years ago. Hmm. So it took me a while. And again, maybe because I didn't, I wasn't always following someone, right? Right. And and so you figure out a lot of stuff on your own, which is great, but it takes more time. Sure. You know, which is why I think the mentorship concept is so important is because it saves you time absolutely um it allows you to to work and screw up in a very safe way and and then you can you can take knowledge from someone else and then by utilizing it you can internalize that and then you start to add something of your own and i think that's a, that's one of the big mistakes in in our industries is that um people don't take that time and and to internalize it. So it does become their knowledge instead of just repeating things that other people say, and then bad information gets perpetuated and bad concepts get perpetuated and and people aren't taking the time. They're they're not slow cooking it, as you would say, Mm -hmm. Um, because everybody's in a hurry, right? Everybody wants to, everybody sees what's on social media and they see what other people are doing. And then they say, oh, I can do that. And then they end up just repeating things without the requisite depth of understanding. So they don't know that they're repeating something that might not be terribly useful or might be incorrect. And um, and then again, it just gets passed on and passed on and passed on, unfortunately. And then you got the world's worst game of telephone.
0: Right.
1: You know what I mean? And, There's
0: uh, a bit of a non-contextual microwave parrot problem
1: yeah. And it, it, it just, just to be clear though, it's not just our industry. i talk my brother's in, in money. Mm-hmm. That's he, I, I don't know what he does, honestly. I know he deals with money. money. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, but we have the same conversation. So he goes, Oh yeah. He goes, people are still using like the, like concepts from 20 years ago that we know aren't effective and they're still using those. So it's in every industry, every industry is kind of the same, but, but, you know, we recognize it from our perspective.
0: I'm just picturing an alternate version of you inside of a silo in a bath of money. This is what I'm. This is what i into.
1: <laughs> that's kind. Of, that's that's kind of my brother. Actually, <laughs> that's how I see it too. It's like, it's like I don't. I don't know what you do, but I know. I know that he's really good at what he does too. So.
0: Well, you know, in New York, like there's certain populations you tend to work with over and over again and hedge fund guys are one of those populations. And like yeah. I had a number of them and I was like, so what do you do exactly? And they kept trying to explain. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And finally, one guy was able to explain it. And it made it really helpful for ultimately reading Ray Dalio's book, which I got from. OK, yeah. Uh-huh. But it was kind of like, oh, OK, you're just like the stock market's always going up. You guys are trying to go up faster and more than the stock market, and the difference between those two things makes you good as a hedge fund versus not good as a hedge fund.
1: Yeah, and if you start to look at this from our perspective, you start to see the similarities and yeah, in what they do. They're they're the guide, right? They're 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 trying to follow principles of of evolution of that system. We do the same thing from our perspective, so it, it, the similarities are are pretty interesting but i still don't understand the language you know no i don't, I
0: don't either or the math or those things yeah about math. <laughs> and that would be the same as them being like, oh you guys are doing something similar but then you talk to them about you know particular articulations in the
1: body and they're like bah. yeah <laughs> we, we don't want to go there
0: so you know one of the things i when when you did speak at the reckoning one mm-hmm. of the things that you said that i think stuck with a number of people was uh write out your model no seriously write out your model yes and yeah. um i took it very seriously and i started really the next week and that led me to creating pretty much everything that i do professionally now yeah. you know it, it led to me i read, i i wrote it out i wrote it into a book eventually it mm-hmm. took you know 3 years later but it turned into that it turned into a seminar series that i teach and um, and it was a hell of a process. And the yeah. other the other thing, you know, and it's this extrinsic, no, uh, intrinsic knowledge becoming extrinsic and then returning to valuable intrinsic is kind of how I see it. And the other thing is this this principle based approach. And and I really wanted to hear more from you, like your thoughts on when you think about creating a model or what models really represent to you. Mm-hmm. What, what,
1: what is that? In um, and, and its in and its simplest level, it is it is a representation that you have about about how things behave, and then how you interact with that, right? And and it's the reason that we have to use something like this is because we can't understand. It. Yeah, like there is there are, there are too many influences. I mean, if we if we just talk, talk about, and let's just say that we're we're movement guys, okay? Let's just say that any, everything we're, we are is about movement. It's like we don't understand it. <laughs> like we just don't. There's just too many things. There are some principles upon which we can rely because they are they are universal principles, right? Like like everything has to follow physical principles. And so the more we understand those, the more we can try to understand um, how we demonstrate those principles. Okay. But again, we have to use a, a model because of the the level of complexity. It, 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 at least for me, it's beyond my mm. understanding. Like sure. there's, there's, there's going to be things that other people and other, uh, they will understand other elements of this. But, but for me, it's like, it's just, it's, it's virtually impossible. You just think about all the possible interactions, you know, you've been in the purple room and it's just like, you know, it's like even the color of the the wall makes, makes a difference. Sure. Right. How much, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I try to create the home field advantage, but again, you just think about all the possible influence, like, like air, like air temperature, uh, color, like what their mood is, um, what they have for breakfast, like all of these things are actually factors in, in, in creating an end result. We just don't know how much of an interaction they are. And so we have to have a principle-based um, understanding of what is possible. And then we apply that we intervene, we observe, and we say, okay, based on my understanding of the principles, here's what just happened. Here's how I can influence this. And then, and then it continues on and on and on. Everybody becomes their, their own N equals one experiment under those circumstances. And, and again, so so the, a model is just a, a way that you represent the world and your understanding um, that allows you to, to uh, interact effectively. Um, we're going to be wrong. Right. Because we, yeah. we know. And, you know, at, is this the point where I get to quote George Box? Is that is I, the, you have to summon him? I, 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 I think that like, you talk about models, you got you to quote George Box. It's like all models are wrong. Some are useful. And the idea is, 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 is that your model has to continue to evolve Um in in its in its representation to allow you to be closer and closer to whatever the truth may be. And that and and the, the way you identify that is like so every time I intervene and I shift the probabilities in my favor, I'm getting closer and closer to what is what is the truth or whatever reality that we can actually see. And so again the model is just a representation and some models are very, very extensive and some are lesser so um yet um, many people can be effective with with different representations, but but here's what should happen, Pat, is that is that if like if if we got 20 people in a room, everybody's got 20 worldviews, everybody's got 20 perspectives, but but what we should find over time is that all of our models start to converge towards um, something, and that would be representative of truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then eventually, given enough time, which would be beyond our lifetimes, most likely, is that is that we should have we should start to see this convergence, um, where everybody has a similar representation, versus twenty totally different worldviews, hmm. right? And that's... and that that's the goal is to is to keep moving towards whatever that that truth may be,
0: right? I, I mean, it's it's funny. I I try to. Um... Talk about this from the perspective of like, we are actually, from an evolutionary perspective, not designed to fully interact with reality. Like, you know, there's constraints on our system. Like, we don't see the entire spectrum of light. No, we don't see UV or infrared. You know, we we don't hear every pitch that's available. If someone blows a dog whistle, you're like, why is this dog running? You know, so there it's, there's safeguards put on the
1: system because reality. So, is too So that's a great way to look at it because, because think about this, think about the, think about the abundance of information that is available to us and how messed up we are because of it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, some people don't manage it nearly as well. And those are the people that are maybe, maybe they've got the, the diagnosis of anxiety or depression or something along those lines. It's like, they're trying to manage something that is, might be on their capabilities without a little bit of help. And, and so, yeah, imagine if you did see every spectrum of light or, or heard every, oh my God, it'd be just overwhelming. It's bad enough no, as it is. Exactly.
0: You know, there's a lot of sensory overwhelm problems and yeah. information overwhelm problems that exist on this planet. And yeah, yeah it's, it's, yeah. Um, we're not, but it's ready, cool. Yeah, it's it really is. Cool. It's, it's really is. cool. And yeah. um, I, I, I think the other, the other part is like, I do think that when people have a very absolute certainty that they're correct, it's it's like a demonstration of hubris where it's like, I mean, think of like the actual extent of reality is incredible. And like we're on this planet hurtling through space around a fireball on an angle, you know, at a bazillion miles an hour, like it's it's the the reality of it is 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 daunting. And um, so, you know, even inorganic movement, which is, I believe, a little bit more simple than animated organic movement is very complicated from the perspective of everything that drives it. So uh, organic movement is an incredibly (laughs) overwhelming thing to think about in some ways. And um, I, I do find it interesting almost that the truth is
1: arrived at as a collective vetting process. Absolutely. It is. So think about it. It's like, think of all the possibilities. Okay. If one person had to do that, it would take forever. Right. Right. So we have to take the experiments from everybody. And like I said, what what you should see over time. And again, this will evolve and, and everybody gets closer and closer. And, and you see little bits and pieces of this process because, what what you'll have is, and again, take a bunch of people with different worldviews, and, and you demonstrate something, and like three of those people will go, oh, that looks just like X, Y, Z. And then another three people say, no, 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 it looks like this. And the reason it starts to look like other things is because we are converging towards something that is a, a more truthful or, or realistic representation. So it should be... Um, um a a a common representation but people will always express things through the lens that they choose
0: Right?
1: that's and that's a big big part and that's why that's why you have arguments and you know discussions on the on the internet that turn into like turf wars and arguments and disagreements and things like that is because because they're choosing to 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 have a limited perspective in saying, I'm going to stick with this, and I'm going to defend it to the end, because I don't want to be wrong. You know, and, it and that's a big me. part of the problem, too. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you have to recognize the fact that you don't have it. <laughs> like, like, right. you don't have the answer. And so, you know, you've got to keep your eyes open, and your, 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 your mind available to new information, because as the evidence adds up, you're going to have to, to change your reality. Well, there's more comfort in certainty. Of course there is, but 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 there is no certainty, but there is no certainty. See, that's that perceived certainty. Yeah. Well, it, again, it's, it's, it's protection. It's self-protection. Like, like if I am certain, then I am comfortable. I am confident and, and I feel good about myself. And it's like, but the minute you can start to accept the fact that, that things are uncertain and you're playing the probabilities then there's a level of comfort with that too. And, yeah. and that's where I think confidence comes from. Um, mm. and that that a younger <clears throat> a younger coach or therapist does not have because they haven't survived enough failures. Right. And, and I think I think that's a that's a big deal because you have to be comfortable with the uncertainty. You have to be uncomfortable with the not knowing and and again you are playing probabilities it's like you know if 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 you're you know 82% correct then that's a pretty high level of confidence but with the understanding that there's still an 18% chance that you're going to fail and then yeah. you have to, again get comfortable with it it's it's cuz it's going to happen no matter what you do no matter what you no matter how good you are no matter how how great a di- diagnostician you think you are the, the, you're the best interactor. You're the smartest guy in the room kind of a thing. Yeah. You're going to fail because you're dealing with another human being.
0: Well, it's a beautiful way that you put that. And I think that it's, you know, fairly universal. It's not just within the scope of, of, uh, physical therapy or fitness or any of those things. It really is. You have to be, you have to get to the point where you realize that you're going to be okay even if this thing falls apart.
1: Right, in but jail. you have to have that experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, if, if you, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I know your dad, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't let the kid fall down, scrape his knee, get a little yep. dirty every once in a while, he's not gonna know that it's gonna be okay. And you I'll know, tell you,
0: it's an era where other parents don't <laughs> seem to want to allow that to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my caregivers, when I was very young, were born in 1914 and 1915, respectively. Nice. And, uh, you know, they certainly didn't have the helicopter mentality. <laughs> and it was almost like, what are you doing hanging around us? Go out in the dirt. Like, right, exactly. Uh, and yeah. so I, I find myself being at these urban playgrounds and having more of a depression era mentality right uh, but see
1: but see this is but this is the thing it's it's like so the again for for the younger coach younger therapist it's like we're talking about the same thing it's like for them to get dirty means that they have to put themselves in situations that are uncomfortable where their decisions may not be the the best choice and we do that in a safe manner and that's through the the uh, supervision, if you will, of a, of a mentor working as an apprentice, right? That's where you do your safe to fail experiments, but that's, but again, this is where you learn that, okay, I'm not always going to be right. This is not always going to be the best choice. It is not always going to have the the best outcome. We have these discussions, you know, and, and it's always best case scenario. It's like, Oh, you sound like the greatest coach in the whole world. You sound like the greatest therapist in the whole world. And then if somebody followed you around for a week and they would go, <laughs> wow, you, you really screwed that one up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I did. But, yeah. but you know, you're going to survive it, right? Because you've got the experience that, okay, yeah, I've screwed this one up before. Um, yeah, I do yeah. it a lot less than I ever did. Right. right. But it still happens because again, it's like when, anytime you're interacting with another system, it's like, you have no idea what their response is going to be. And and again, just getting comfortable with that takes time.
0: Right. And, you know, it's funny, like, at least in in the model that I created, I have what I call the big 10 principles of progression. It's just a catchy (laughs) thing. But Uh I really look at it as 10 steps to reduce the chances that I'm going to screw up. And uh, really, it was um, listening to a a lot of Doug Kachigian talk that that made me realize the importance of checklists. And, um, you know, basically training with a Utilizing a deliberate thought process to come up with a behavioral plan so that you're not making in the moment decisions that are going to be very flawed under high stress situations, you know. And so a lot of the things that I've done, like they are directly traced back through your lineage in many ways of like creating a decision making tree so that you're able to have better decision making on the fly. Uh, being able to have, uh, you know, a, a time of quiet, reflective thought to be able to craft such a behavioral checklist that you're going to execute when you're in the moment, uh, just like any good athlete would practice what you're going to be exposed to and kind of like situational uh, training, you know, and like in football, they'd call it situational football or baseball, situational baseball. But from the perspective of coaching someone else or being in the moment of trying to get an outcome, if you have more of an algorithm that you're following as opposed to, oh, I think I'm just going to do this random exercise today. Cause I saw it recently at a seminar or something like that. You know, I think that you're setting yourself up from a probability
1: standpoint to have better outcomes overall. And um, <clears throat> Well, this is, this is falling back on, this is just falling back on principles. Right. Right. So, so. um, And I was kind of curious what, you know,
0: when I think about this, like, what are some of the big principles that you subscribe to and that really guide you in your, your day to day or what that you're from a
1: decision-making perspective? um, Are are we talking like specifically in, in the, in the, in doing the work kind of a thing? Yeah. Or, you know, like your your model,
0: like, you know, you kind of said what? that you have a model and there's principles that are. that are right. OK, so, that. so there
1: are there are physical principles that that are undeniable. And and it's just a recognition of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so so you say, well, what are the what are the possibilities? And so, um, OK, and you've heard me say this this before, and, and I'm I'm working off of like a Gerald Pollock kind of a quote where you're 99 percent water and 1 percent stuff. And so if that's true, then you have to behave within the rules of that 99% water and 1% stuff. Like that's the foundation. It's like, okay, how does this stuff behave? And then so that establishes the foundational representation of what is possible, right? And then you say, well, okay, how is this 1% stuff constructed? And then we say, okay, so we have a foundational shape that is representative of, of from a universal standpoint. So so the universe works based off of rules of efficiency. So there has to be a very specific shape to that. And that would be spherical. That would be like your your ultimate efficiency shape. But the problem is, is there's no curves in biology. Oops, okay, so what's the next most efficient shape? And then I say, okay, well, that actually is is a a three-dimensional triangle, if you will, which is a tetrahedron, right? And then everything is constructed off that. And if you string those tetrahedrons together, you get helical orientations. And if you're helically evolved, then you have to behave based on that principle. And so that's why, and you know, as well as I do, is I don't, I don't talk about, I don't talk about straight lines and straight planes because they don't exist. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially in in a a dynamic human being, it's like that you'll never find a straight plane and you'll never find a straight line.
0: And when you're talking about tetrahedrons, AKA pyramids, like this would be what the other 1% is Constructive yes, absolutely, right? absolutely. Because water isn't built in pyramids. It's uh, yes, it is actually. Okay. Yes, oh, yes, it is.
1: Right. It's the so so. You know, familiar with like so laminar a water form, molecule. And... A water molecule is actually a tetrahedron because again, it's going to move towards efficiency. And so, right. when you look at the structure of a water molecule, it, it is a tetrahedron. So, so again, from a structural standpoint, it is it follows the same rules, right? And
0: and I know that some people listening to my, this might be like, "What is this guy We're talking?" We're weirded out. Like this is this is a yeah. weird conversation and, for. And, I don't it. mind it because, again, like, you know, I'm, I'm interested am in interested because I can understand the essence of this because, you know, if you get into the topic of, of uh, molecular geometry, which is a topic, you know, you yeah. realize that, oh, okay, like bonding begins with linear bonds. And yeah. then, I, you know, the next kind of bonding is triangular. And then you're going to build shapes off of these right. bonds, Right. And so the next shape becomes ultimately a tetrahedron. Yeah,
1: and then you and then just, just stack them by that. Yeah, yeah, and and it's I just know. like,
0: well, what do you think a, a you know DNA is? It's a double helix, right? Uh, you which know, is a, which is which
1: is a string of tetrahedrons stuck together. That's all it is. Yeah, right. collagen. If you look totally at collagen, if you look at a collagen fiber, same structure. And so so now we get to talk about fractal representations, right? And so we, we look at the smallest possible. You know, you think about the size of a water molecule being as as tiny as it is, right? And then you look at our macro structure, which which we can see each other on the screen. And while it doesn't look quite quite the same as a as a, a double helix of DNA, it is actually. And and all you got to do is look at it a, a, in a little bit smaller representations. But but again, we're going micro to macro, and so so again, the same principles apply. At every level, and again, we just understand that and so so this is why you know everything that I talk about is is a, a turn or a rotation right right and so if we can understand that, then we understand how all of this movement that we observe is constructed, and so then it has to follow very specific rules and and then we get into okay, so you know we could talk about walking or crawling or rolling or lifting. You know, on, a, on the macro scale, it's going to follow the same principles. It's going to follow the same rules because it has to follow the, the, the physical principles. So we talk about conservation of momentum. Um, we talk about um, the, the shifting of, of fluid pressures and air pressures um, as, as a representation of how we move into a, and out of a space, Right. And again, it's it's a little bit of a a, it's a little bit of a weird uh, representation because of what has been traditionally represented based on the model upon which movement has always been based, which is a dead guy. Right. And that's the problem. It's like because dead guys do have straight planes and dead guys do have straight lines and they have levers and they have pulleys and things like that. And then dynamic living human beings do not. And so there's the disconnect. And, and, and that's, why, that's why, again, when I say that we, we, we have to converge towards a representative model that actually just follows the physical principles, then we can provide solutions in circumstances where maybe we don't have full knowledge, which we rarely do, and then we can shift the probabilities in our favor to a much greater degree.
0: And, you know, when I hear you talk, I don't get this. Like, I, I think some people are like, what is this guy talking? Is it just we're just like kind of like pushing fluid around to move through space? And it's like, well, but I don't think yeah. you're disagreeing that like, you know, a radius and ulna are rotating or moving through space around an electron. You know what I mean? I, I it's not, But it's like how that's occurring where the traditional model is essentially saying that it's a sliding filament theory proposition of the biceps and that the biceps is transmitting forces through its tendon and attaching to the protuberance on the bone and creating that line of pull to create this bone rotating around another bone through space. But as I understand you saying, and and correct me if I'm wrong, you're saying that in many ways, the biceps, by creating a squeeze on its side, is redistributing fluids inside of the capsule. And when it pushes fluids towards a direction, it Mm -hmm. displaces bones. It pushes in space, moving around Mm. each other. Very Mm. similar to the way that like pushing fluid around in a car jack system in a garage can ultimately lift a car off the ground Mm. through the displacement of fluids by a piston moving inside of a cylinder. Well, it's, it, it's correct because
1: that's the physical principle, right? Right. It's and it's, it's 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 like like I said, it's undeniable in regards to to how that system would work, right? And so yeah. again, because we we exist in the universe and it follows very specific principles, we we follow them just like anything else. Um, is the is the lever and pulley representation useful? Yes. Sometimes like, like it does work. It's kind of like comparing like Newtonian gravity and, and the Einstein's representation. It's like Newton is so is, is wrong. Like he's wrong. Okay. But it's so good. You can send a guy to the moon and bring him back safely using Newtonian principles. Like that's how close it is. But Einstein is better. Right. Because no. it's closer to the truth. But again, it's like, like you can go back and forth between a dead guy representation and a, a living, breathing, human, dynamic person. Right. Um, as you need to to describe things so we can have a conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: the idea is to always be moving, like I said, closer to the truth.
0: Sure. The, the old model is not like all of a sudden disappeared from your brain. No. If anything, you understand it more fully and appreciate it differently well
1: okay so so the, so the day that you can look at look at a, a traditional representation and poke holes in it, you understand it right so so you have to understand what has been presented before to 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 identify where the gaps in understanding are so we can continue to progress if we continue to accept the fact. If You know, and I always pick on I, I pick on the Greeks and their their anatomical dissections for ruining everything in the present, because so you seriously, so you go yeah. back, like at the first it's dissection. Yeah. yeah, well, they got they got to name all the stuff. Yeah. right, And it, and just, some of it's just looks like a crow's head. Yeah. Well okay my 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 favorite one my favorite one is okay so when we look at a pelvis and we look at the the, the three large bones that that construct the pelvis no you have the got the sacrum and then you've got the the innominate bones right so the innominates are the comb- combination of the ilium um the pubis and the ischium right so the the innominate as a structure so so what people don't recognize the fact is that the the word innominate means unnamed yeah, right? it's like the
0: so going like, in the good, the bad, the ugly.
1: Well, it was a long day. It was a long day. They're doing a dissection <laughs> and they get to the pelvis and they go, Well, what are you going to call this one? And they go, I don't know, man. I'm really tired. Why don't we just call it the anomaly? So it's like the unnamed bone. It's yeah. like, Okay, that's brilliant. You okay. know, like lumbricals in your hands. A lumbrical is a worm, right? And so mm-hmm. they go, Oh, it kind of looks like a worm. So they call them lumber. Eh, you know, I, it's, um, I was thinking
0: about this recently. Like, yeah, it sounds really fancy to us because, of course, I'm trying to, uh, you know i'm putting uh, like eczema cream on my son and i'm saying this is your anticubital fossa that
1: we're putting this into and you know <laughs> yeah. i'm like oh that sounds really fancy but, but like but, but, here's, but here's but here's the thing let's talk a little bit about getting closer and closer to the truth is is their disse- dissections were, were very, very raw and 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 not well executed, right? And I always make a joke, it's like they used elbows and wooden spoons to do these dissections, where now we have these really fine, mm-hmm. fine tools and, and and capability to really refine our dissections. And so so some of the things that they called a muscle are actually like seven different muscles based on the behavior. And but but it gets perpetuated. So like if you do a gross anatomy class in physical therapy school or medical school or whatever, it's like they're using they're using a representative model that was established 2,300 years ago, Mm -hmm. like literally 2,300. I know that
0: Galen was very much opposed to using human subjects, so he based all of his stuff off of animal uh, things, and then trying to apply that to humans. And then really it wasn't until Vesalius until Vesalius was like, you know what, I'm not going to listen to the Galen anatomy. I'm going to go in there and actually dig up some dead guys and uh, and figure them out. And it's almost very clear with the differences in the Greek uh, statues versus the Renaissance statues, where you look at, like, David, and it's so much better compared to these kind – of, I you know, some of these Greek statues, I'm like, that kind of looks like me. That's not a good one. That's,
1: that's not a David. That thing stinks. It's sort of squatting. We, like, it's we, not a – dude we we just lost 200 listeners by drifting off into the
0: art right yeah sure renaissance versus well you never know you know i've
1: never uh i've never listened no, to is what the funny. traditional it's funny. It, it, this is great because because uh uh it, we can go anywhere anywhere we want to go and i and i get that but it's just funny it's like like you're gonna get like the young strength and condition coach and he's listening to this and he's gonna go what right. Oh, squat? like I'm salivating <laughs> to hear this. You go. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna learn about the squat and uh and what to do with a squat. And and here we are talking about. We're talking well, about the. Universe I can remember of, uh, learning so
0: much about a pelvis by hearing you talk about a sidewalk and how it's really oh, the cracks the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like. Yeah. To me, that's the big deal because that's principle based.
1: That's a principle based, right? And so again, it's a it's a physical principle. (laughs) And again, so just so people understand what we're talking about. Yeah, if you if you walk on a sidewalk. Um, and you see the horizontal lines that go across the sidewalk and everybody goes, well, they were laying it down in sections, you know, because that's how you lay down a sidewalk. Well, actually, you could just lay it down in one big section if you wanted to. Yeah, like a road, but, but so much faster. But what the cross lines are in a sidewalk are predetermined cracks because concrete cracks when, when there's a change in temperature. And so what they do is they put a predetermined crack in the sidewalk so it doesn't get ugly when it does crack. And so when you look at a pelvis and you say, well, wait a minute, why do I have, why have, why do I have breaks in a pelvis? And it's like, oh those are actually ways that I can actually dissipate load that goes through the pelvis because the pelvis has to absorb these incredible forces that I'm delivering to the grounding. And that's coming back up to the ground. And if I don't have these predetermined cracks, I can't create the yielding action within that, within that pelvis. And so, so the SI joints are these predetermined cracks that allow a very subtle amount of movement to take place and allow an expansion to take place that allows me to distribute this load nice and evenly. Otherwise, Otherwise, if it was a single bone and I am walking across the ground, more than likely I'm going to try to create those cracks myself and they become fractures, which is what you don't want.
0: It's a, it's an amazing thing. It's yeah. Well, it's, but it's,
1: it's just, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's an easy and sorry. Wonder mutts over here getting nothing. that's all right. Um, but, but it's an easy way to, to, to create the, the analogy of of the why um, can you pause for just a moment? Sure. Yeah. Not a problem. Out so he doesn't yell at me. <sighs>
0: So you know, I I had texted you the other day in mm-hmm. like, hey, like my brain, like I was in a fit of boredom, which is yep. great to be in. You know what I mean? Like, I uh, love like, it. Love uh, it. Creativity that, comes out of boredom. That, that it really does. And um, it was kind of like I was I, I was picturing, you know, <laughs> like I I do love the notion of you know, kind of the segments of the body moving through arcs and. And I was like, kind of thinking like, well, what happens if an arc keeps going? Oh, it just becomes a big circle, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of like, well, I sort of noticed that like, for me, for instance, I have lost many of my, my segmented motions and I kind of move as a unit. Like yep. if I want to hit a golf ball, I can't get my arms to move through much of an arc. So they go to here and then, then I go and notice I just turned myself into the chair yes. and use that to spin. But I was thinking like, well, it's, Actually, this seems a lot almost like a a gravitational phenomenon where it should almost be like like celestial bodies rotating around other celestial bodies. And it was like, whoa, like this is kind of insane. Like I I actually have a center of mass somewhere that's my main point at which everything rotates. But then there's other mass points external to that that further distal things rotate around. And uh, then I was kind of like, well, it's also a little bit like, you know, when I lose these distal pieces that can rotate, it's almost like a, like a collapsing gravitational thing. Like the larger body that's more yeah. proximal absorbs that. Yes. And, and then I started to think about like valence shells of <clears throat> electrons as well. And when they, they begin to collapse inward. So I was like, man, it seems as though, like, for me, I'm kind of my own collapsing galaxy, you know? <laughs> I I've lost a lot of the planets in my like outer orbits and it's like, and I was like, wow, this is wild. Like when I walk, I just kind of my primary place that I revolve around is just my center of mass. I don't have these more distal pieces that can be independent. And I just sort of sent you a message. Like, does this make sense? Is this like a valid or worthwhile thing to bother thinking about? Um,
1: we're going to We're about ready to lose 200 more listeners. Okay? Perfect.
0: <laughs> Only the strong shall survive.
1: Well, it, it, this is this is going to go I I'm I'm going to I'm probably going to be talking just slightly above my pay grade here. Okay. And we have about 10 minutes just as a, as a heads up here. <laughs> All right. So let so so gravity is the essential element here. Because what what gravity's going to do, it's going to establish um uh, number one, it's gonna establish a gradient. So there has to be a gradient for movement to exist. If there's no differential, then there's then there's no movement. Okay. Um, but we're gonna say that, that gravity establishes a vertical representation of of um uh, force. So, so far, so than, good. Okay. Any so so that's so if I drew a vertical and we look at it from a rotational standpoint, that is a flat 180-degree line. Is that fair? It's an Actual. axis. Yes, okay, yeah. but, it, but, it, but, it, but it is perpendicular to the surface upon which we, we stand on earth, okay, at any point in time, there is a singular vertical that, that you could imagine, okay, anything, any, any two bodies that interact outside of that vertical produce a rotation, Okay, if if everything is going like if if I push two pieces perfectly together at 180 degrees, they push against one another and there is no rotation whatsoever. Okay, there, there is no gradient, and mm-hmm. then it's pure compression. Okay, so so the greater the degree of compression, the lesser the degree of rotation available. Okay. Any any differential off of that line, like I said, any angle off of that 180 degrees where two bodies are interacting, it will produce a rotation. That rotation will then result in some form of precession. Okay, so every every rotational body does precess. So if you look at the orbits of the planets, they are elliptical, so they're not perfectly circular, a circular is, a circle is an ellipse, but, but they're, they're elliptical, because they're interacting with multiple bodies in space, and therefore, that's why you get sort of like, like, if you look at the, if you look at the orbit of the earth, um, around the sun, and it's elliptical, it it ends up looking kind of like a flower, if you look at the whole, like the year, Mm -hmm. right, and, and again, that, that's a procession, that 's associated with the interaction with the sun, the interaction with the other planets and, and and those influences, and so we we have to follow that that same same premise and so what we could say is we could we could break ourselves down into these individualized segments that rotate relative to one another, and so each segment. If I had full relative motion available to me, each of those segments will interact with the other segments relative to one another with all of the other potential influences. And so when we talk about full relative motions available, what we're looking at is that interaction. When we have a reduction in relative motions, what we have is a a reduction in the rotation between the relative segments. So they are behaving as if they are on that 180 degree plane, okay, which is a compressive representation. And so if I am producing greater and greater force, it behooves me to reduce the relative motions, the relative rotations within each of those segments so I can actually produce those force. Otherwise, if there was a freedom of rotation, that actually dissipates my ability to produce force. So if you're trained to produce force, you will have a reduction in relative motions. But what you're when you're referring to saying, hey, this looks like an orbit, it is Okay, Um, because we do have this this relative motion between segments to whatever degree you can you can demonstrate that they are that you could look at it from an orbital standpoint. I would I would lean in the direction that it's probably better to look at it from a processional uh, representation just because of the of the way that we interact. It's a little bit clearer to me in regards to to. Sure. The, and, the, and angles, totally the angles, like things that. are applied to create the rotation, is, is more of a processional representation for me. And you know that that we and, and we've talked about this. But
0: this I think fun. just for the mm-hmm. audience, I think it would be good to state that you know anytime you're talking about rotational force, that is torque, and anytime torque enters the picture, we okay. have angular momentum. Is that where we're going? Correct. On?
1: So so any so any rotation is is a spin. Every spin produces a torque. Um, every time you, you have a spin you 're going to have an angular momentum the there 's an interaction between the angular momentum and the torque, which is what produces the processional representation and again so, so every rotational body will possess and that 's sort of a a
0: inherent lean that is put on a turn i, I would is that uh... I'm trying to get this across in a way that is, is. No, I understand. To represent.
1: I understand, but, 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 but here's the, here's, so here's, let me give you a representation of an interaction um, that would still be a representation of a procession. Um, and I'm, I'm taking this straight from Buckminster Fuller. Okay? Sure. Um If you were to drop a stone into uh water. um you would have like so so the stone interacting with the water is the 180 degree representation right however as it hits the water it disturbs the water in 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 at a 90 degree angle and so the waves that move away from the stone are moving away at at 90 degrees which actually is a representation of the procession that that we're talking about and so this is actually something that's happening within you every time you move every time you take a step because we have a transfer of energy that takes place to produce this movement that has to be in the form of a wave right so that, again we just lost 200 more people pat <laughs> but but the, the the point of all this is is yeah. understanding whoops is understanding that that we're just following the the physical principles and the 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 greater the depth that we can understand this the, the better decisions that we can make so we're talking about shifts in fluid volume we're talking about changes in pressure outside of this 180 degrees when we're talking about movement When we're talking about force production, we're talking about reducing the so-called degrees of freedom. We're trying to compress them into, into a singular entity. Both are valuable at different times. Both are required at, at different times. The problem that we run into is that is that there are certain elements of what you and I do for a living that are very very easy to acquire, which is this compressive representation that reduces the relative motions that 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 you've observed as an orbit or as as a procession, right? And you take those away, and Again, it, it there, there is a result of that that might be favorable in certain circumstances. And in other circumstances, it is the absolute wrong thing. And then we have to understand how to apply that. And then now we go now we can actually talk about like the like the actual tools that we use, the execution, the programming, and all of that. But if we can understand the principle of how this stuff is actually represented, it becomes a little bit more clear as to where each of these tools, each of these exercises. Falls relative to where I want this person to be in this full excursion of absolute full relative motions to absolutely no relative motion, which does occur, you know, almost in any activity that that you produce, Um, you have to have this, this some representation of this full spectrum.
0: Well, I feel like it's not so much that we're going to lose so many people listening to something. (laughs) I think we there's like six. There's there's like
1: six people hanging on. They're hoping for like they're hoping for like a screw
0: versus hinge concept. (laughs) I think everyone's going to be like, "What the hell did that guy just say?" And that's fine because I think that you have to be at that place. And I've had many of these experiences with you, uh, particularly in the purple room. And I'm always like, "Whoa, man, I feel like you just blew over my town and bombed it, and then just <laughs> kept on flying, And like, I just want you to come back here and tell me what happened here." Yeah. So like my hope is that I can get you back on here and do a couple more of these. And yeah, um, yeah, and yeah I true. would love to kind of reiterate some of the things that you said and some of the trajectories that those take you on yeah. from an actual work perspective right
1: we could i mean we so so you you i w- i would argue that 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 what we have just done is we just had a conceptual discussion right yep. um, outside of a context and, and probably what we would want to do then is have another conversation in a very specific context and then say, okay, here's what we were talking about before. Here's the principle upon which this would be based. And then here's why, here's why I'm doing a medicine ball throw, Like right. literally that's, that's how it evolves in, yeah. in rather than just saying that, that, okay. Um, that there is a, 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 a hierarchy of medicine ball throws, Like yeah. you got to do this one first, this one second, this one third, this one fourth. Right. And, and um the, there's a hierarchy of activities, right? That is changeable based on the needs of, of where we are in our ability to access and move through space. That's how you determine what to do, right? So, you know, today is like, oh, okay. So we're talking about um, physical principles. We're talking about the, you know, Pascal and Bernoulli and you know all those guys that that figured out all of these fluid based principles and pressure principles right that's kind of what we hit on today and of course your your reference to art as well (laughs) Well, of course i heard about
0: your mother i had to bring that full
1: (laughs) so so, that
0: i know i want to i want to get you off here for your for your time uh where can people find uh more of your information
1: um i'm i'm on a little bit of social media so there's an instagram thingy um bill hartman pt um got a youtube page i think it's under the same same name. I don't pay attention to that stuff too much. Uh, BillHartmanPT.com will be the home base. Um, And then um, I have a a Q&A email um, that that I use, askbillhartman at gmail.com, which is somewhat useful. Mm -hmm. Try not to flood me with too many questions, but but, uh, I'm happy to help people as I can. So that'd be about the, yeah, I think that would be the main ones.
0: The mainstays. Yep. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. It's well, thanks for process. thanks
1: for having us. I, I said I, I, you, to the six people that are still listening, I appreciate you hanging on with us here. Um, they're, but they're if, really good people, though. <laughs> but but we'll get into the nuts and bolts in a, in another conversation.
0: I, I'm going to hold you to that.
1: I I would be happy to do it.